arc study, just working our way through Mark's gospel to uh, in a few weeks, couple of weeks, we will uh, finish this study uh, as on Easter Sunday. But you know, there's part of our human experience that we like to know who the best is. We like to know who the greatest of all time, the GOAT. I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not. It took me a while to get used to it, but we love knowing who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Uh, We do it in every arena. We have Olympics. We want to know who the greatest is. We uh, We take tests in school. We want to know who has the highest grade. We have barbecue throwdowns here at church. We want to know who can cook up the best ribs. We, we do it all over the place. In fact, I put a few slides up here for you to see how we do this all the time. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? It, did somebody just say James Worthy? We need to talk. I, I, that debate is going on. Who's the greatest running back of all time? Is it, is it James? I mean, Jim Brown? Not James Brown. I feel good. <laughs> Jim Brown. Hey, Barry, is it Barry or is it sweetness? Walter Payton. I mean, the debate goes on. Who's the greatest leader in history? I found this picture just of, of some of the great leaders throughout history. What about singer of all time? The People talk about, I mean, magazines do entire Entire issues on who's the greatest of all time. Composers. I mean, I I think that we have... I was hoping somebody would help me out here a little bit. Beethoven's got to be up there somewhere. Bach, Chopin, Tchaikovsky. And Elvis or Mozart is up there somewhere. Anyway, who's the greatest? Hey, what about author? I, I didn't have any pictures. I think this is a picture of Dr. Seuss. But who, who are the greatest authors? Uh, we keep going. Baseball player. Who's the greatest baseball player? Is it the Babe? Willie Mays? Ty Cobb? Somebody say that? Ted Williams? Barry yeah, I mean, who? it goes on and on and on. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? So, hey, just a little history, American history for you. The guy in the top middle is Johnny. Just that's all you need to know, Johnny United. Uh, the guy on the bottom right, anybody? Slinging Sammy Ball. All right. But who's the greatest? Hey, how about this one? What's the greatest car? What's the greatest car that's ever been made? The goat of all cars. Huh? Oh, the GTO? I, see, people list off all kinds, of, all, all kinds of cars. And some of you already know where I'm going and what the next slide is going to be. 1976. <laughs> Ford Pinto. When I was in high school, that was the chick magnet right there. In my dreams is right. 
Hey, today in our text, we're going to come across another question. It's a goat question. What's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And so we find ourselves today in Mark chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 28 through 34. So if you'll stand with me if you're able, and we will read this passage together. Let me set the scene here before we start reading. Uh, In the passage just prior, um, people were debating, the religious leaders were debating what happens after death. And they they give this long scenario of 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 a woman whose husband passed away and she goes and the husband's brother takes her to be his wife, he passes, and, and so on. They have this giant scenario, and so they ask Jesus this question, what happens after the resurrection, and who's she going to be married to? Jesus gives, gives the right answer, and we, give, we get to our passage today. Okay? And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that, that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Father, we ask this morning that you would open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you. We want to be more like you. So, Lord, take your word, plant it deep within, and change us and mold us. I pray this in your name. Amen. I asked the same question in this series titled Marked, little play on words. What mark will this passage leave on you? You're going to make something of the passage, but the more important question is, what, what mark or what impression is this passage going to make on you? So, we get to our text, and Jesus gives two commands these two commands, they, they point out two great loves and two great commands that we need to notice. When we first look at this, when we, we, our minds might automatically go to the Ten Commandments. But we need to understand that in the rabbinic, rabbinic tradition, there are over 600 identified commands in the law or the books of Moses. Some were weightier than others. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, that uh, some, the consequences of not obeying some of the commands carried much heavier consequences than others. But, so there were a ton of them. This scribe comes up to Jesus, who had just given a very wise answer to the, in, the, in the previous conversation, comes up and says, okay, which one of the commands is the greatest? 
Lay your cards on the table. Let us know where you stand. So Jesus decides to jump in and gladly participate in this dialogue with him. I want us to look today at what Jesus said about these commands. So the first thing I want you to see, uh, it's on your outline there, is that we are to love God above all else. I'm not sure I can say anything more simple for you and I to do. Love him above, above everything else. You know, last week we were looking at the rich young ruler and how he went away discouraged when he talked with Jesus, when Jesus said, hey, man, you lack one thing. You're doing everything else great. You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then come, follow me. And the man went away sad because he had an idol in his life. He had something that was more important to him than Jesus. And so we really wrestled last week with the whole issue of what is the most important thing in your life? This passage, Jesus, he goes way past all this debate. I mean, you and I can only imagine that, that uh, these religious leaders, they would meet at Starbucks once a week and, and sit down and hash and debate and banter back and forth about which one was the greatest. And Jesus comes in and he puts it all to rest immediately and he says the first thing is this, you need to love God above all else. We see that Jesus quotes the Shema found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Look at what he says. He quotes that passage out of, out of Deuteronomy. He says, the most important is here, O Israel. Here, listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This was part of their daily, the Jewish people would have viewed this little saying in the same way that you and I probably view the Lord's Prayer. It's just, it's, it's an important little saying. It's something that we kind of hold on to. Uh, some, some in the Christian faith hold on to the Apostles' Creed this way. It just keeps everything in line. It keeps us, brings us back to ground zero. It keeps us keeping the main thing, the main thing. The Shema did that for the Jewish people. So when Jesus quoted it, they were like, mm, that's pretty good. <laughs> Those burnt offerings that we keep debating about, don't trump that one. That one was important. So I want you to notice this. We need to love God for who he is. We need to love God for who he is. In that quotation out of Deuteronomy, he says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Now, you'll notice in your Bibles, whether you're looking at a hard copy or a digital copy this morning, you'll see in that text, the word Lord is all capital letters. You see that? Uh, that is on purpose. That is, that is indicating to you and I that that is a reference to Yahweh. That, that's, that's a Hebrew. Uh, that is the covenant name of, of, of God for his people was Yahweh. They, they wouldn't even spell the complete word out. That's how much reverence they had for Yahweh, the Lord. And so a, a, a literary signal for you and I in our English translations is when we see that word Lord in all caps, it's referring to Yahweh. He says in this quote, the Lord, Yahweh, our God, Elohim. 
Elohim, the big picture the, of God, the God of all, the God of all creation, the creator, the, the magnificent God. Hey, listen, hero Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, the Yahweh is one. The, listen, church, we just, let's get down to, to basics here. We have a unique, awesome God. He's made up of three personalities, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but he is God. He is one God. There are people out there that would say we serve many gods because we say three. As many people would say we're polytheistic, but no, we don't stand on that. We say we're monotheistic because they are all make up God. The Lord Our God, the Lord, is one. He is to be the only one. He is God alone, and we need to worship him for who he is. We need to love him. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hey, listen, we are to love him for who he is. He is one. Our devotion to him, our worship of him, our allegiance to him must be to him alone. This goes back to what we dealt with last week. Is there something in your life that is more important than Yahweh, our Elohim? Anything. If today you're sitting here, you go, man, maybe so. Maybe I look at my stuff. Maybe I look at how much I cherish and prize my stuff. Maybe today is a day where we come back to him and say, Lord, I lay all that aside for you. I don't want to be like that rich young ruler. I want you. I don't want any idols before you. You are my Elohim. My God. You and I must be reminded of this today, that God is God. There's no one like him. There's no one that can compare to him. His greatness, his righteousness, his holiness, his power, his grace, his love, mercy. I mean, the list goes on and on. There is no one like our God. We must worship him and love him for who he is. So maybe this week, maybe in the car on the way home today, you'll spend time meditating and praising God for who he is. Maybe you talk about that. You climb in the car. Hey, man, how many, what are some things about our God that are just so great? Can we just take a few minutes? How long does it take to drive home? Three minutes, four minutes, five minutes? you live in Parker, 20 minutes. You can name a lot of things in that amount of time. To just sit and and tell him what you praise him for, what you adore him for. Love the Lord God with all your heart. You know, if we look at that Deuteronomy 6 passage a little bit longer, in fact, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, This is right after the list of the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. Moses gives these words that that we just read that Jesus quoted. They're instructions. He's giving these words in the context of instructing people. Look at what he says in verse 1 and 2. Now this, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. 
that you may do them in the land to which you are going to possess, over to possess it, that, that you may fear the Lord your God. That, uh, let me start verse 2 over again. That you may fear the Yahweh your Elohim. You and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life. Circle that, all the days of your life, that your days may be long. He continues these instructions. Verse 4, we just read. Verse 5, we just read. But look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Moms and dads. Man, one of the ways that you and I love the Lord our God with all our heart, let's teach them to our kids. Can we all just agree that the world is teaching our kids all kinds of, help me with a word here, uh, junk, untruth. Uh, hey, hey, just that much off of the truth, 20 years from now in their life is a long way from the truth. One of the ways we love the Lord our God with all our heart is that we teach it to our children. Let's teach it. He's giving some instructions here. Go down to verse 12. Then take, take care lest you forget the Lord. Take care of these guys. Let's keep coming back to him. Let's keep coming back to him and, and recognizing him for who he is. Taking these commandments, the, God's word, come back to it and come back to it and come back to it. Lest we forget. We need to focus on them. Verses 14 and 15. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. Listen, you and I have, have people in our workplace, we have people in our communities, in our neighborhoods that chase after all kinds of things. But not you and I, not us. We are people of Elohim. And we come back and we keep him number one. We pursue him. We chase after him. He is to be our God. He wants us all the time, and he wants all of us. We are to love God for who he is. He is God. Second point on your outline there that I want you to see <clears throat> is that we're to love God with all that we are. All that we are. Not just part, not just sections of who we are, but with all. All is a powerful word. All is an, an all-encompassing word. All means all. That's all all means. In this text, the word all is mentioned several times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love him with all of your soul. All of your mind and all of your strength. The Greek word is panta. There's your Greek lesson for the day. You're going to impress all your friends this week when you go to work and say, I know, yeah, I know Greek. Panta. Hey, there's another place that you've, you've run across this word panta that you that you're, uh, may not be aware of or not. It's in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of panta te ethnos, all the ethnicities, all the nations. See, this word all is important for you and I to take a hold of here. 
as, as we mentioned earlier, this text points out two great commands, but it also points out two great loves. We're to love God, and we just talked about that. But we're to love him in a certain way with all of who we are. All. When it speaks about loving him with our heart, it speaks to our emotions, who we are on the inside. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the very first one. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Is that true of me and is it true of you? When, when it says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, it speaks to our spirit. Psalm 42, it's a familiar passage that, that you may have heard. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, Elohim, for the living God. Man, does that speak of me, that I'm just thirsty for my Lord, for my God? His word instructs us to love him that way. When it says love him with all your mind, it speaks of your intelligence and how you think, your thought life. What does your thought life look like? Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5. through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. It says to love him with all your mind. All of it. I don't know about your mind, but my mind travels. My mind drifts at times. And it's important for me to be focused, as we read just a few moments ago in Deuteronomy, to keep coming back, lest I forget, keep coming back to the word, keep coming back to him. We are a people of Elohim. We are a people of God, and we remain in his word. Church, that's not a bad thing to be known for. You know that? To be known as a people of God and a people of his word. To love God with all of our strength and speaking about your bodily power. What are you able to do? What are you good at? I've taught on this passage often about how it starts on the inside and it eventually makes its way to the surface, to your strength and how you serve people on the outside, how you serve God on the outside. But we're to love him that way. Church, listen, God wants us to love Love with all our heart and with all of our life. Maybe I can get us to think about it this way. Husbands, let me talk to you for just a minute. You ready? I want you to answer these questions about God in the same, see if it's the same way you would answer it about your wife. Okay? Are you loyal to God with an exclusive love? Husbands, I hope that you're loyal to your wife with an exclusive kind of love. That your love is for her and her only. Is that the way you love God? Do you resist or even oppose anything or anyone that seeks to do harm to your Lord? In the same way that if somebody was going to harm your wife, you would stand up, stand in between, 
and protect them. Do you do the same for your Lord? God wants us to love him with with that kind of passionate love. Is Is that the way we love him? Am I passionate to defend my Lord's name and honor? Do I enjoy spending time with my Lord in the same way I enjoy spending time with my wife? Do I intentionally do things that please him? In the same way, once a year, I intentionally do something to please. I was hoping for a bigger laugh on that one. (laughs) Do you brag on him to others in the same way you brag on others about your wife? Come on, man. We're going to be leaders in our homes, right? I mean, let's lead out. Let's be the ones in our homes that set the pace for the rest of our family. That we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, soul, and strength. Do I tell God that I love him often? In the same way that you tell your wife you love her often. Do I talk to him as much and as often as I can? Now this obviously goes both ways, translates. Wives, you can answer the same questions. God wants all of our love all of the time. What's the, great, what's the goat of commands? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he adds one to it next. He goes, love others authentically. He says, love others as yourself. He quotes this passage out of Leviticus. Chapter 19, verse 18, he says, it says there, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Feels kind of selfish if you think about it. But when we compare this, when we examine this kind of love to Scripture, it helps us out a little bit. So let's go to that Leviticus passage and let's hang out there for a minute. Leviticus chapter 19. Turn there with me if you don't mind. Let's start in verse 10. We should care for the poor, and you shall not stir up your vineyard, I'm sorry, strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor, for the sojourner. Hey, how do we take care of the poor? We help out the poor. We take care of them. Shouldn't steal, verse 11. You shall not steal. Verse 11, don't lie, don't feel, don't deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. Verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob from him. Let's not steal. <laughs> Let's be fair in our business dealings. Verse 14, you shall not curse the deaf. Let's take care of the deaf. I mean, guys, when we start looking at, at, at Scripture and how to take care of our neighbors, this, we can just take this passage alone. To help us know how to take care of our neighbors. Verse 14, care for the blind. Verse 15, deal justly with all people. Verse 16, avoid slander. Verse 16 also goes on to say not not to jeopardize the life of your neighbor. Don't put his life in danger. Verse 17, don't 
Harbor hatred against your brother. Verse 17 also says, rebuke your neighbor when necessary for his own good. Listen, man, you're about to get in trouble. Uh, you should avoid doing that, man. I mean, there's times when we ought to help them out by maybe speaking correction there. And verse 18, don't take revenge or hold a grudge. Being a good neighbor is just how we are to love others. The first part, LG, love God. Second part, LO. We've been saying that around here for a long time. LGLO. It's not a bad way to live. Is that a description of how you live and how I live? I hope so. But the story goes on in Mark. We finish up with that. Verses 32 through 34, and the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. And he goes on and kind of repeats what Jesus had said. Jesus was pleased with how the scribe answers. And Jesus told him that the kingdom was not far away. I wonder what Jesus meant by the kingdom is not far away. I can tell you what he didn't mean. He didn't mean the kingdom is close by, so go out and work a little harder. Just a little harder, a little more work. Follow those rules a little better, and you'll be good. There's no way he meant that. Because following rules will never gain us access to the kingdom. It just won't do it. Because we cannot live up to God's standard. We can't live up to his righteous standard. The Bible says for all have sinned. And what? Fallen short of the glory of God. You bet. And instead, the man understands that entering the kingdom is a matter of heart devotion, not how hard you try. Obeying rules will never get us there. So, what's the answer? I need a new me. You need a new you. We need a new heart. And the only way we can get that. is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the question for us today is, do you have a new heart? Do you have a new life? Have you trusted in Jesus to be your Savior? Has he forgiven you of your sins? Have you come to a place in your life of saying, I, I'm full of sin, I know I need forgiveness or I'm in trouble. And maybe today, for the first time, I can tell you that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sins. He took the, pay, he took the punishment. He paid the price for you so you wouldn't have to. God loves you that much. Elohim loves you that much. And so today, you can come to, the, to, to just right now, this spot, and say, Jesus, I know I've sinned. And today I understand that you died on the cross for my sins. You took my place. I should have gone to that. I'm the one that deserved death, but you did it for me. And so today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I want to trust you to be my Savior, my Lord, the Lord of my life. And right now, you can just invite Jesus. Invite him to come in and take over.
your life. Come in to your heart. Join in with your spirit and be your Lord and Master. Will you do that now? Christian, today I want to ask you a question. I wonder, it's, it's similar to last week. I wonder if there are things in your life. There are places in your heart where you are not loving God all the way. And I think all of us would probably have to say that we have places where we need to tighten the ship up. We need to tighten things up. I can love God more there. I, there are these little areas, these little places in my heart where I hold back, that I, I, but I want to completely surrender. I think there was a hymn. We sang a hymn today. I think there was a hymn that used to sing, say, I surrender all. Yeah. We mentioned that last week as well. I surrender all. Every week we celebrate Jesus, but in a couple of weeks we're going to celebrate around the world, the Christian community is going to celebrate what happened on the cross. That Jesus died, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from that tomb, and today Jesus is alive. And he's ready. He's ready and willing to take you right where you are and just as you are to be your Lord. He's ready to forgive you. Will you call on Jesus today? I want us to take just the next few moments to, to be quiet. Allow God to have the last word. To speak into your heart. So let's take just a moment. Dear friends, <clears throat> let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Father, today I lift up every person that's here. Lift up every heart that has maybe gone through a difficult week and, and has been distracted by the things of this world. And today is the day where they, they come back to a place of saying, oh, I need, to, I need to be reminded of loving God with all that I am. Thank you for this reminder out of your word today, Lord. <sighs> These distractions are so heavy and, and they're so 
significant in my life, but Lord, I want you to be more significant than even those. Maybe this is the week, this is the day that you recommit. You recommit your love to him. You admit that there's been distractions, but today's the day. It's a fresh start. And I wonder this morning as we're sitting here with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there might be someone that I'm praying for specifically today. But Joel, you, you just talked about me, man. I have been distracted, and today's the day I'm coming back. If that's you, can I, can I ask you just to raise your hand real quick and then put it back down? I got it. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? Coming back to you today, Lord. Father, for those that have, have at that place in their life, Lord, would you breathe into them today your breath of life, your breath of reassurance, your breath of compassion, Lord, and, and they would just sit there in this moment and remember how great you are, Elohim. Oh, Yahweh, our Elohim. Today, Lord, be that magnificent God in their life. Reassure them that they're going to make it through these times. Thank you for your grace and your love, Lord. I also wonder if there's someone here today that for the first time you've asked Jesus to come and live in your heart. Come and to be your Savior. Today you realize there's sin and, and that you need forgiveness, but today... Joel, I, I, I ask for forgiveness, and I've been set free, man. I'm forgiven to, to walk in newness of new life because Jesus is now my Lord. Is there somebody here that has asked Jesus to be your Lord today for the first time? Would you raise your hand? Lord, as we continue our worship, as we lift our voices to you, I pray that we would be reminded constantly throughout the day and throughout the week and for the rest of our lives to love you with all that we are and to love others authentically. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.